This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Ringgit and Sense is brought to you by Sun Life Malaysia. Good morning. You're tuned in to Ringgit and Sense, the show all about personal finance. And I'm Sim Wee Boon. Chinese New Year is here. And while we might all be enjoying ourselves, the festivities, feasting, shopping, giving ang pao's, receiving ang pao's, it's important to remember to watch how you spend your hard-earned money. This is because slightly more than a month ago, Ringgit Plus had a survey out which revealed some painful truths of the financial situation of Malaysians. Now, according to the survey, Malaysians are in their worst ever financial position as they face a looming global recession amid rising inflation. The Ringgit Plus Malaysian Financial Literacy Survey 2022 looked into the current financial state of the rakyat, including depleted savings, cash flow issues and other worrying trends. So joining me today to discuss and unpack some of the survey findings is Han Liu, founder and director at Ringgit Plus. Good morning and welcome to the show, Han. So let's start off and go through some of the key findings from your survey, right? What were the ones that truly stuck out to you? Yeah, no, thanks for having me on to talk about this, right? So we at Ringgit Plus, we've been doing this uh, survey, the Ringgit Plus Malaysian Financial Literacy Survey for the last five years, right? And this year, we've got three over 3,000 respondents. We've done nationwide. So all adults uh, sometime in October uh, and the results were out kind of November, December. And the results shocked us this year. Um, Um, part of the reason why I say that is that, you know, every year, the past five years we've been doing this, we see the results, we go like, okay, things are not ideal, but they seem to be fairly stable, right? But in this fifth year, the numbers really shocked us because we saw a significant and uh, severe deterioration in the general financial situation of Malaysians over the course of late 2021 to uh, late 2022. So over the course of the past year. Um, um, so, so some numbers that I want to bring up is, for example, 73% of Malaysians are saving 500 ringgit or less per month, right? Or, or don't save at all. So that's like more than two-thirds of Malaysians unable to, to save a significant amount uh, for a rainy day or for their retirement. And, and the number itself is scary, but what, what scares us the most is that it's up from kind of the mid-50s, 55% or so last year. And it's been fairly stable at this number, like you know, in the low to mid-50s over the last few years. Suddenly a big jump in 2022. Uh, we, we rarely see these kind of jumps in these kind of very representative nationwide surveys. Right? So that tells us a lot, right? Severe deterioration in saving capability, saving ability. Um, also, um, in terms of savings, amount of savings you have, a big jump uh, in people who told us that, you know, if I lost my job today, I can't survive more than X months. This number for something for three months or below was, you know, almost two thirds as well, 63%. Yet again, uh, and this is usually fairly stable. About 50% of people tell us, hey, look, like I have three months or less of uh, uh, savings that I can survive. But, you know, huge jump to 63% uh, in 2020, late 2022. Uh, that tells us a lot, right? Usually these things are very stable. Uh, likewise, the, the third thing I would say, I guess, is in terms of uh, not just savings, but investments, retirement. Uh, uh, 82% of respondents, uh, this, remember, this is like you know, representative of all Malaysians, right? This survey. Uh, 82% of them told us that, hey, I don't think I can retire with, with my EPF, right? And, and that number is scary, yes, but you know, the, the, big, the more scary part is, you know, this number was in the kind of high, 70, high 60s, low 70s, you know, pre-pandemic, in, even pre-last year, right? So big jumps. And, and mind you, generally, things are quite stable. What I would say, stable does not mean good, but stable means stable. Uh, and, but what we saw is huge, huge, Uh, deterioration in the financial situations of Malaysians over the past year. So for me, that's that was what's I, I just shared kind of 
three big numbers there. But for me, uh, that that was the big theme, right? Deterioration. So this deterioration, right? What I'm curious at is it was it was pandemic a large factor at the deterioration, or were there other underlying factors that contribute to this? The one thing I, I realized was actually it's late 2022 at the time, right? And the pandemic has been with us, with us for over three years, right? So uh, one of the things we looked at is, hey, how come how come we're seeing huge deteriorations over the past year, and not so much, you know, in 2020, 2021 when we did the survey? Then, then you know, the the light bulb. Uh, start right, which is um, clearly a lot of the relief measures throughout 2020 and 2021, uh, basically pandemic reliefs done by uh, uh, governments, uh, uh, by, done by you know monetary and fiscal stimulus, right? Clearly helped, right? Clearly helped with rapid situation. I'm talking about things like the moratorium, uh, uh, the loan moratorium. If, if everybody remembers from a couple of years ago, um, um, I'm talking about you know outright uh, allowing people to withdraw their EPS. Uh, so that they can survive, right? Uh, the, the kind that can survive more than three months, that kind of stuff. They are able to save because, you know, bills are being taken care of by, by either direct bantuans, uh, loan moratoriums, or, you know, uh, EPF withdrawals. I think uh, that th- those relief measures really started to, what's the word I want to use, uh, to tail off or taper off uh, 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 in the second half of last year, 2022. So that's when we started seeing Despite the economic recovery and companies looking to have recovered in terms of earnings, uh, especially, you know, Versa companies, etc., you're seeing earnings recover. But the Rakyat's own personal financial situation appears to be deteriorating significantly. Uh, uh, um, you know, so there's a clear kind of uh, a growing chasm between, you know, economic recovery and, and, and consumers or Rakyat's you know, personal situations. Right? I think that needs to be looked at. So, were there any commonalities between those that are struggling to save? Were they, did you, in terms of their demographic, was it from a specific age group, specific background, or is this issue touching all sectors of Malaysian, all former Malaysians? That's a good question. So, when we looked at it, we go, hey, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's one specific segment where be it youths or be it uh, uh, women or be it certain uh, regions that, uh, you know, that may be more affected than not. Uh, are they affected more and bringing down the number? And, and what we saw was uh, uh, not that significant statistically changes between any type of group. So from young to old, from central, northern, southern to East Malaysia, uh, uh, male and female, uh, literally every single uh, 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 group uh, of people, right? at least statistically, right, showed significant deterioration uh, in, in those stats, right? in terms of ability to save, ability to, to survive, you know, financial shocks, resilience, uh, ability to re- uh, the ability to retire, etc. Uh, uh, clear, broad-based deterioration. Uh, um, so for me, it's not it's not like hey, one guy, one one small segment is doing well, everyone else is doing bad. It's literally every single segment that we looked at uh, showed uh, deterioration, just different levels of deterioration. But was there any insights on how this has impacted these three groups? Like, let's let's go through B40, M40, T20, right? How did it touch them? Because I think sometimes it's hard to see uh, someone of a different level, what kind of struggles they have, right? I mean, we're all struggling to save, but how does this struggle to save impact uh, us? Was there any insights into your survey on that? The, the full report does break down uh, those kind of things. But what I'll share, I guess, a little more specifically is, is specific items that, that give you a hint, right, about specific groups, so a uh, classic example is uh, somebody who is a B40 person naturally saving something like 500 ringgit is tough in itself, right? But the very fact that, you know, <laughs> 70% of people tell us that uh, they, 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 they aren't able to do that tells me that even someone like in the uh, majority of the M40 people, 
uh, unable to do so. So for me, this tells me already, right? This this this, this transcends groups. That's one. And then you think about um, uh, one more step, which I guess uh, stands up in terms of, hey, what about T20 people? Are they struggling? Um, if you think about it, right? Um, um, in in Malaysia, there are uh, nine to ten million issued credit cards, uh, principal credit card holders, which means you know the top uh, about uh, the top third, right? The top third of society. Uh, are generally eligible to have credit cards, right? Not, not everyone is because you need minimum income, etc. So that, that pretty much rules out E40s from owning a credit card. But despite uh, that kind of already income filter, right? What we're seeing is severe deterioration in people's ability to repay their credit card bill in full, right? So uh, classic example, last year, 70% uh, of people reported, hey, I, I got a credit card, but you know, I'm able to pay off in full every month. 70% of people, not that. Right? This year, that's dropped to 55, right? So you know, a 15% drop in people uh, who say, hey, uh, I, I can pay off my credit card bill in full. So even uh, the T20 groups uh, are, are being being uh, quite badly affected. So just, uh, you know, these two two quick numbers to give you a sense that these issues transcend uh, across groups, including income groups. Yeah, right. High, the higher the income, the higher the daily cost, the monthly cost as well. I think your survey, an uh, 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 interesting thing that I picked up from your survey was that 55% of Malaysians spend exactly or more than what they earn each month. So this essentially means that about slightly more than half of Malaysians are living paycheck to paycheck, right? What kind of insights does this give you? Yeah, uh, I think the number itself, as you, you pointed out, is uh, over half, right? And, and pre-pandemic, this was under half, by the way. So for me, uh, uh, the big insight is not so much the specific level. Honestly, the specific levels are worrying anyway. This should be like the low, low, low percentages, right? Of people who are living hand to mouth, living paycheck to paycheck. This should be a very, very low amount of people, right? People should be able to save, if 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 not nothing, a little, a little, right? But the fact that it was under a half, you know, pre-pandemic and, and coming into the pandemic, and now it's gone to over half of people who are in this situation, tells me a lot, right? About uh, uh, three things. Number one. Uh, uh, while there's some economic recovery, and we can see that in GDP figures, um, you, you Sim, obviously are very, very in touch with those things. Uh, it's not seeming to translate to uh, individuals' personal finances. So that's one. Mm -hmm. Second is uh, there could be a clear impact from from cost of living uh, spikes over the past year, right? That that's for me. For me, it, it shows up in the data, which is <clears throat> what is the number one cause of me not able to save any money and living paycheck to paycheck? Is that expenses? Uh, are growing or income is not uh, increasing, right? So I covered income uh, by way of uh, lack of translation down from economic recovery to individuals' pay packets. But also now we're seeing, you know, being squeezed on the, the from the other side, which is increasing, you know, cost of living, be it uh, household goods, general inflation, that kind of stuff, uh, food uh, going out, uh, whatever it may be, inflation across the board uh, that's been uh, uh, reported the past 12 months, right? So that's caused... Uh, clearly, right, uh, more Malaysians to drop into this chasm of not able to save any money, living paycheck, right? and you know, 10% increase is huge. 10, 11% increase is huge in the context of you know nationwide. It sounds small. It's like oh, gone up from kind of 40, low 40s to to mid 50s. Uh, sounds like hey, look, it's just a bit a small change, right? So that 10, 11% is really not that small, you know. If you translate that to whole Malaysia, uh, at least Malaysian adults, right? That's over two million people who you know were on the ability to save and not live paycheck to paycheck to now are living paycheck, paycheck to paycheck. So for me, that's kind of, uh, in short, like, uh, our summary of that situation. Yeah, so, okay, you know, you, you made two 
uh, valid points, right? Cost of living issues and uh, low wages, right? Which is a reality to many Malaysians. You go out and you ask them, that's what they will say that contributes to why struggling to save, right? But these two things seems very out of my own control. What do they do? How does someone that is struggling to save do? Or what can be done? What can be done? Honestly, individually, I believe it's a structural generational issue right now, right? Uh, individually, what we can do is all the good things, right? Uh, do your budgeting, um, you know, make cuts where, where things are less important to you. Obviously, try not to save on the things that are important to you because it does impact your mental health. You sacrifice too many things that are important to you. But I would, you know, uh, what I tell people is, look, like life is a bit of compromise across the board, right? I get everything. But just make sure the, the important things to you are covered, right? And everything else that you feel not as important, uh, that's where you can more judiciously save, right? And really do your budgeting and make sure that you're able to keep afloat, right? But honestly, like for me, right, uh, it's a generational, it's a structural issue, which, uh, you know, and I said this, uh, uh, I've been saying this over the last four weeks to, to our, all our friends across the media, which we need to push for, for, for structural changes in policy uh, um, uh, for Malaysians uh, over the next 20 years, right? To re- restore their finances, Right, restore their, their retirement savings uh, and really try and figure out how we can get Malaysians up the income ladder right, and um, balance out uh, inflation issues. So it's just that, you know, it's not just economic numbers, right? When, when, when we see this in the news, right? When Malaysians see it in the news, they see it as, you know, big, big economic numbers. Oh, GDP is great. GNI is great. Uh, median incomes are up. Good for you. But they really need to see it in their own daily lives, right? How much am I making this year versus last year? Am I getting my my, my 5% increment? Why? Because uh, inflation is at 4 point something. I need at least 5% this year. Uh, otherwise, I'm actually outright getting a pay cut. So that's the kind of thing that as a, as a consumer need to need to do. Right. Yeah, so you can't just sit on your laurels and hope for things to get better. You need to actively look into these things. But we're going to take a short break for some messages. And then after that, we'll come back and continue our conversation. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. BFM 89.9. Stay tuned for Ringgit and Sense, brought to you by Sun Life Malaysia. Welcome back. You're tuned in to Ringgit and Sense and I'm Sim Weeboon. Today's topic is the savings landscape in Malaysia. This comes after a survey by Ringgit Plus which revealed that a majority of Malaysians save less than 500 ringgit per month or do not manage to save at all. Joining me today to share some insights and highlights from the survey is Han Liu, founder and director at Ringgit Plus. Now Han, just now we were, before the break, we were talking about the situation right now, what's happening, the findings from your survey. Right? But let's, let's look a bit ahead towards... Um, our retirement, right? Your survey shows that only 18% of respondents believe that their EPF savings is enough for retirement. But EPF itself, uh, from what I recall, recently said that Malaysians will need 600,000 to 1 million ringgit to retire comfortably in major cities. I mean, does the data, is, is, is there a disconnect? Does the data show, make, make any points about this? I mean, are we, how, how big of a retirement crisis are we looking at? It's a really good question, Sim. You know, at Ringgit Plus, we, we looked at the data hard and, and like just tried and with a bit of disbelief, right? And for me, uh, there is a huge disconnect in two areas. Right? Number one, uh, in terms of retirement, you mentioned 18% say they can. What about the 82% of people who themselves say they can't, let alone being told that they, they cannot, right? The, the people who are just well aware of their own beliefs rather than what a specific institution like EPF tell them. So 82% are in big, 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 big trouble. The less trouble, I guess, for this 18%, you mentioned the disconnect. Yes. Outright, you know, EPF are telling people uh, officially anyway, right? In in a lot of the a lot of the literature that you need 
you know, uh, 280,000 or so, I think it's 288, uh, as your basic savings amount. I think that's what they call it. Right? Saying, hey, look, need at least this to be able to retire. But then, you know, in, in, in the media, a lot of the, 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 the big wigs uh, in EPF are rightly saying, hey, look, like, uh, you're going to need more than that, 600,000, a million, I think, that, that the range was 600,000. And then uh, I think it was a chief strategy officer uh, mentioned that you're going to need 600,000 to retire uh, based on uh, needing about 2,400 ringgit in Kuala Lumpur a month, right? So for me, the, the big disconnect is, is, you know, we need to update those basic savings frequently, right? To, 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 to be in line with inflation. I think this number has been the same for the last 10 years or so. And, and obviously inflation over the last 10 years has not been zero. Therefore, uh, this number is no longer uh, sufficient for, uh, uh, for, for most Malaysians to be able to retire. So I think the, the, the key solution there is literally just to change our mind frame, right? Go like every year, we just need to update that number our minds in terms of what minimum we need in order to retire because it needs to be updated to the recent cost of living. You cannot be retiring with today's money on 10 years ago's cost of living. So that's kind of the big disconnect, which is we need to constantly update this, if not every year, at least every five years or so, in line with inflation. And that should solve that disconnect for the, this 18% of people that say, hey, look, like you think you have enough? Uh, just make sure with the new numbers that are being issued uh, either every year or every five years or so. Okay, but let's take a look at these people that even even if they, they, they don't even have enough to retire, right? At the same time, you know, recently we've heard calls for a group from a group of people that are asking the Prime Minister to once again consider withdrawals from EPF, right? This this type of thinking, right? I mean, is is there is there a mentality issue when it comes to how we view EPF as a piggy bank rather than a retirement fund? How problematic is this, and what can be done to shift this? Yeah, you you hit the nail right on the head because you know one of the main policy errors of the last two years was uh, doing exactly that, treating EPF as a piggy bank rather than uh, uh, a long term retirement. Piggy bank is something you save up for six months to buy something that you like, right? Um, and and once we've opened Pandora's box or whatever you call it, genie out of the bottle, it's going to be very hard to close it back in, right? But this government, you know, it, it needs to be able to do that, right? Close it back in. But clearly, it does not solve the current problem of cost of living, uh, 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 low incomes, lack of savings, causing you know, gaps in people's budgets, therefore needing that withdrawal. So it needs to be a two-tier uh, or two-step process, or two-step, or two-strategy, two-pronged strategy, right? which is number one, uh, close Pandora's box. Right? We need to close it and say, hey, look, like uh, this is your long-term saving. It's making five and a half, six, six and a half percent a year, you know, over 20, 30 years. That's going to build into a nice little nest egg for you or your financial future, right? There's nothing else except this for most Malaysians, right? So that's one, right? But number two, that needs to go hand-in-hand hand, uh, uh, with immediate support, right? And we need to find a way, and you know, budget is coming up in the next month or so. We need to find a way to solve the immediate crisis uh, for cost of living, right? So that there's less calls for doing this, right? I, I, I very much, oh, uh, doesn't sound very populist, right? But we cannot drain EPF funds anymore, right? It's just something that we need to close, close hard and close forever, right? And we need to look at other solutions to solve the current crisis. So for example, right, if if we cannot close Pandora's box and people just assume they, have to, they can move their EPF money anytime, why not introduce, for example, account three and call it your piggy bank, EPF piggy bank, right? You can remove it, but it's a very small amount, you know, maybe one or 2% of, of contribution. Uh, you can remove it every time and that, that forces savings, uh, even in the short term for Malaysians. Then you treat EPF as your, your, your good, you know, 
your catch all savings, no problem, but then it's highly limited. So at least from a messaging perspective, you can say, yes, you can, you can take your EPF money anytime. There's account three, which we just created, which is for short term stuff. A couple of percent goes in there. Uh, so at least that can, that can alleviate that, not just the actual issue, but also uh, 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 perception wise, hey, look, like EPF is still available for you. So that's a small, 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 small thing they can do. Uh, but the big thing they need to do is to have direct support, right? Direct cash payments. If people are saying, hey, look, I, I need 5,000, I need 10,000, find a way to get it to the hands of people that need it most, right? Let's hope that policymakers are listening to this. Lastly, then I want to look into another data point from your survey about retirement, right? Where 28% of respondents age 35 and above said they had not started to financially plan for retirement. I'm curious to get your point of view and from your experience, right? Is there a tipping point when it comes to retirement? Perhaps how late is too late to prepare for retirement? I mean, on retirement, right? There's a, there's, a, there's a good saying I would like to use. The best time to start saving for retirement is 10 years ago. But the second best time uh, is yesterday. So for me, like, uh, you know, as a licensed financial planner and investment advisor myself, I say, hey, look, like I know you, you might feel too late. It's never too late. Start now. Uh, every every day that you lose from now is, 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 is worth so much more than a day in five years' time, for example. So start now. It's never too late, right? Uh, if I'm speaking to uh, somebody who's feeling, you know, a, a little overwhelmed, you know, at 35, you still got a lot of time. You still got 20 years. Right? At 45, you still got 10 years, right? So that's what, that's the kind of thing I would say. Look, don't give up. Start now. Uh, giving up makes it even worse, right? All right. And well, that's all the time we have for Ringgit and Sense today. I've been speaking to Han Liu, founder and director at Ringgit Plus. Join us again next week for more discussions on personal finance. We have the 10am news bulletin coming up next. We're followed by Enterprise. I'm Sim Boon from The Morning Run, BFM 89.9. Ringgit and Sense is brought to you by Sun Life Malaysia, your lifetime insurance and takaful partner. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.